Perception, Perception is reality. Reality. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this 144th episode of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. We are, of course, joined by the co-pilot, Amber Green. She is back. We want to welcome her back to this episode. And we're going to get started right away today because I have a lot of information, and I think this is going to be a great discussion for everyone out there listening. I feel like you might be able to relate to a lot of what we're going to talk about, and it doesn't matter where you live, so that's going to be the great thing. But as always, before we do get started, I want to ask that you share the show with everyone you know. Of course, remind everyone we can be found on all major podcast hosting sites. They can search for us by the full name of the podcast, Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Or the easiest way is to simply go to Google and search for Bilbrey Podcast. That's B-I-L-B-R-E-Y Podcast will pop right up. Also, don't forget to check out the live video episodes on Facebook at Christopher H. Bilbrey on Facebook or facebook.com forward slash Bilbrey 318. You are listening to Perception is Reality, and you know it is. All right, back to work we go. And for this episode, I wanted to do something uh, that I've been thinking about for a while. Obviously, Amber is back with us, and we're glad to have her back. And we are both very thankful for each and every one of you that's taking the time to listen and giving us a little bit of your time. So, obviously, a big portion of what this podcast is about is education. Educating citizens on how to be active and involved with the national government, to be active and involved with the state government, and to be active and involved with your local government. And there are many different ways to do that. And I know that a lot of you are interested in what goes on. Obviously, you're listening to this, so I know that you you care, because if you didn't care, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast, obviously. And I know what our numbers look like, and I know that we have a massive listener base, and I thank each and every one of you for listening week after week after week. I know how many people interact with me on social media. I know how many people call or text me. I know how many people email me or how many people stop me when I'm going to the store or come up and talk to me at a restaurant. So I know that people are interested. But there seems to be a little bit of a division between those people, you guys listening to this, and I'm not dogging you out, believe me, okay, because I know there are very good reasons and we're going to explore this, but there seems to be a division between the people who want the information and want to keep up to date and informed and those that actually will attend the meetings and speak out. And so I'm interested in what it takes for people to do that. So, for example, and this is why I figured we would do this. Amber, I know that you are, you're intelligent. You like to keep up to date on what's going on nationally at the state level and locally, and you're, you're very in the know with what's happening. It seems like you're all over the place on social media, but you don't attend meetings. How many city or county council or government meetings have you been to in your life? None. Okay, so... Well, that's not true. I've been to like two, and it was both times that Chris was promoted. Okay, 
Chris, your husband, who is a police officer, so you would attend the meeting where they were doing some kind of a ceremony where he was promoted. So, all right, you attended not because you were so caught up about what was going on in the community or what was happening that they were voting on at the time or that you had some reason to praise them or gripe at them, you attended because of a personal reason, and, and that makes sense, and I completely understand that. And look, I'm not dogging you or anyone else out. I'm wanting to ask these questions of you so that the listener can hear what your thought process is behind what I'm getting ready to ask, and so that maybe you and the listener can realize that there are other people out there like everyone, and the people that are interested and active can maybe think, hey, maybe there is a reason for me to go and get involved, and it's not a lost cause, and, uh, you know, because, let me be really honest, this is what a lot of it is going to come down to when we're talking about fixing the government. It's going to take more than just a couple people in meetings. And for everyone out there that feels going to these meetings and talking to the officials at meetings and behind the scenes and through emails and through calls and in person, that's not going to fix anything. And let me tell you, it absolutely, it does, that that is a wrong type of thinking that we need to get out of people's heads. And so I want to kind of examine Examine your situation because I feel like, honestly, you represent what a lot of the listeners are like. People who are interested, people who are educated, people who want to be kept up to date, but people who don't really go out of the way to communicate with elected officials or go to meetings. And so I think this will be a great examination, and you, the listener, can hear what she has to say and compare notes with the, my questions and her answers, and hopefully we can start to cultivate a situation where more people start attending meetings in person and speaking to the officials on the record if possible, or if not, they watch the stream video and if your community doesn't stream we speak out to make sure that they start streaming so that people who can't attend can watch it later to be involved that way or that people can reach out via email or by calling or on social media or whatever way that we can possibly reach out to our officials and that more and more members of the community can start doing that so people in the community, you, the listener, can feel like you have a stake in the community and that you realize that this is all of our jobs, and you have the right to be heard, whatever your thought and opinion is, and you might be on the winning side, you might be on the losing side of an argument, but you do deserve to be heard, and you should be heard. And I want more people, specifically our listeners, to understand that this is something that needs to happen. And I want Amber, you, and you, the listener, to realize that we can start to change 
what goes on in local government. It doesn't have to be a pipe dream. It's not hopeless that we can change it, but it takes more than just a handful of people being involved. It takes the community to be involved, and this is something that we can all do. And understand my thought process that if we start to affect and change local government for the better, that that will only make our state governments better in each and every state out there. And if we have better local government and better state governments, that that will only make the national government stronger and better. I feel like that is a real living, breathing idea and principle that people need to start embracing. And I just feel like so many people say, ah, local government, it doesn't matter, or nothing's going to change. I can't affect anything. And honestly, that's not true. We can change a whole lot. And that's that's what I want to do with these questions here. I want to change people's minds and realize that we're all very similar in this regard. And it's going to take us all getting out of that comfort zone, getting out of that shell and coming together and, and doing our part, whether it's going to meetings or watching the meetings and then sending emails or making phone calls or interacting on social media. One way or another, we have to come together as a community and it's going to take more people attending these meetings or or emailing or calling and we're going to have to do it. We're going to have to take that step from being the citizen who wants to be informed and up to date on what's going on to being the citizen who is active and engaged in the goings on. So let me ask you just a real basic question like this. What is it that stops you from attending meetings? And is it just as simple as you're a busy mom and wife and you've got kids and you can't attend because of that? Or is there something else going on? Part of it is definitely, I have three kids. Meetings are 99.9% .9 of the time um, in the, the evening when the kids are going to be home with me. Sure. So I would have to find a sitter, which that sounds like a lame excuse no, no. because I, I do believe that there are issues that are, you know, big enough that are worthy of a sitter. But I also feel like, especially in local government, but in, in government across the board, I feel like the people sitting on these boards, even if they were your, you know, your friend, your pal, your coworker, whatever, before they got elected, I feel like once they get elected, they almost feel elevated to the point that they no longer need to answer questions. And it's kind of by being in the seat that they're in, it's kind of, you know, excused them from from having to answer questions. I feel like that's kind of the mentality they take on, whether that's purposeful or not. That's the impression that's given because sure. you see the people that do go like yourself or other, you know, regulars or even people that have just shown up for, you know, one issue that was in incredibly important to them and nothing ever changes. And if you're really persistent, like you, you become this black sheep that the local government is willing to publicly make fun of 
only because you're trying to hold them accountable to the oath that they took when they were sworn into office. And I am the type of person that just doesn't deal with that kind of bullshit. Uh, like, I just don't. So I see where you're coming from, and I've oftentimes wondered if I need to do a better job of explaining things that go on behind the scenes so people realize that there's more that goes on than just me going to these meetings and calling these people out or writing to these people and calling them out but if people would see what happens behind the scenes, if they realize that I'm talking to these people and that we are in this dance back and forth where they're talking and I'm talking and that I'm making progress, it's slow and steady. And it's always, it's always two steps forward and 30 steps back. But I do get those two steps forward. Maybe I need to be able to express that more so people see that there are, in fact, victories that come from this. And here's the deal. My reason for doing the podcast, as anybody that's ever listened for any length of time can probably say by heart, is I, I was very politically active from a very young age. And what that means is I would help candidates when they were running. I would attend meetings. If I felt like the mayor was doing something, I would speak out. And then I would come back to my life and I would never talk about it. And nobody ever knew what I was doing until the election time rolled around. And then I, I campaigned hard for my people. But then after that was it, I just paid attention to what happened. But I, I didn't speak out. Like I might go to a meeting and speak out, but I never talked about the meeting afterwards. And then in 2015, I ran for city council in Winchester. I lived in Winchester at the time. I had lived there for about five years by this time. I felt like I was comfortable with the people in the community. I had made a lot of good friends. I, I had coached uh, youth sports at the YMCA. I met a lot of parents and, and had networked that way. And I ran for city council in Winchester and now keep in mind, I, I understood that I was a new person. You know, I knew I was not born in Winchester and I knew that there would be people who would look at me as an outsider. And you're always going to have that to some degree, no matter where you live, unless you live in New York or L.A. You know, anytime you move someplace, even if you move to Indianapolis, I feel like if you moved to Indianapolis and then you ran there are going to be people who say, well, you just moved here to do this, blah, blah, you know, whatever. So when I ran, I ran saying things that I had heard people saying in politics all my life. Like, I want to work to improve communication. And the reason I felt that I wanted to work to improve communication was I didn't, I feel like a lot of people get active and interested and then they decide to run and the day that they file is the day that they start attending meetings. I feel like if someone is going to run for office, they should start attending meetings at some point before they file so they get a little bit of an understanding so people can see them whether they say something or not. They they are making themselves visible in the audience and they're hearing what's going on. They're hearing the 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 business of the county or the city or the town or or whatever it is. And then I feel like they should run, you know, file to run and run and still attend these meetings. And then even more so, if someone loses, 
They shouldn't just say, okay, well, that's it, I'm done. They should continue, if it's something that they're really interested in, they should continue attending meetings and letting people see that they're not just in it for this quick campaign and that's it, that they are there for the long run. I'll tell you what, I don't care what anybody says about him. I don't care how crazy anybody thinks he is or if they think he's a bull in a china shop or he's this or he's that. Someone who knows every bit of the business of the city of Muncie, all of the other boards and and committees, the Board of Works and the Parks Board and all of that, along with most of what goes on with the county, is Audie Barber. I don't care what you say about him. I don't know anybody else besides me and maybe a few other people, the newspaper reporters, that can say they've attended every meeting in the city of Muncie and and most in Delaware County for the last three straight years besides Audie Barber. And and people can make fun of him. People can think that he's this or that, and he's just a you know he's just a construction worker. I'll I'll, I'll be I'll be dead serious. Any one of those members on that nine-person Muncie City Council could leave their seat tomorrow, and Audie could step right in and not miss a beat. He knows every bit of business. He knows every contract. He knows everything that the Board of Works and the City Council's been dealing with. He knows it all. He's just on it. That's dedication. And I will tell you, there's people that have ran against him that don't come anywhere close to that. And there will be people who will run in the future that still won't have that type of experience. But getting back to my point, I think a lot of people just file and then they go. and Or sometimes people file and still don't go. But I had filed to run in Winchester, and before I did that, I started attending meetings, and for six months, which is 12 meetings because Winchester has two meetings a month, I was the only citizen who attended for 12 meetings in a row in 2014 into 2015. And I thought, these people come here and they meet and put on this big production just for me because I almost feel like it, before I started going, if, if citizens weren't there, they probably like locked the doors up, they talked, and they were gone in five minutes. You know, Who knows what happened beforehand? But I started showing up one day, and then it was like all of a sudden they had to start performing, and it was very clear that they didn't really seem like they knew what they were doing. And I was listening to things that they were doing and thinking, this doesn't sound right. This does not seem right. I feel like if people knew this, they would lose their shit. So I started telling people. I mean, I remember the first thing. I was, I was waiting before a, a soccer game one time. I was coaching soccer. And I was waiting before a soccer game, and I was talking to a group of parents that were, that were there. And I was like, man, you ought to hear what's happening. Cause I knew one of the parents lived down the street where something was happening. And I was like, you man, you guys are getting ready to be affected by this. And they were like, no way. What? Like, how do you know this? And I was like, I went to the meeting. And so from that point, what I started doing was using my social media, my Facebook to keep people posted on what was going on. I was going to these meetings and I would type up 
a recap of what would happen at the meeting, and then I would post it so that people could see it. And if there were things that were being discussed that needed to be followed up with, well, I would do that too. I would go to the officials and say, hey, two weeks ago during the meeting, you said this. Has this happened yet? And if something happened or if it didn't happen, I would follow up with that. And people were able to read my updates or my status notifications and see what was going on in their community. And it was around that time that my brother in Texas got a hold of me and said, hey, you'd reach more people if you weren't writing this out, if you were actually making a video and talking about it, more people would click and see and you would reach more people. And so that's how this all began. But it started with the whole principle and the whole idea of trying to inform citizens what was happening at their local meetings that the citizens were not attending. And what actually happened from that was citizens started to become so interested that they started wanting to attend the meetings to see, okay, what's going to happen next? It became like a soap opera, and I don't care why they attended. The fact that they attended is all that mattered to me because then once you attend, you can only attend so long until you start to get engaged, and people were actually engaging, and it went from me being the only citizen there for 12 meetings in a row to a packed house each and every first and third Monday of the month. And to my knowledge, it's still that way to some extent that people go and and they're involved and they're interested and they're active. And, you know, that to me is, is one of those little victories. But I noticed that while the citizens that were watching seemed very engaged, when I was saying things like, Winchester needs to live stream these meetings. If people can't attend because they're working or caring for their family members or whatever, we need to live stream these meetings so people can watch when they get home. We need to improve communication. And the blowback that I got when I said that was immense. People would say, nothing is wrong with Winchester. If you feel something's wrong with Winchester, you need to move back to Muncie. And I was oh. like, wait a minute. That's, that's, not how you, that's not how you approach this. See, I get, I get that impression locally as well. And I see, I see both sides. Like I try and put myself in the shoes of, you know, let's say Yorktown's town council. Cause that's what I'm familiar with. Yeah. If I were on that council or any board, I would not want to admit that it wasn't perfect. I would not want to lessen my effort or the effort of my fellow council members or board members. And I would be offended, you know, by people saying, Oh, well, this is just ridiculous. How are you not getting this right? But as a citizen and as someone with common sense, I also know that that's not possible. Like there's no way that your town or your committee or your city or your state is perfect. Right. And so it's, I think those, those lines of communication need to be open, but I also think that citizens need to kind of take a deep breath before they just jump. 
Yep, you're right. That's absolutely because correct. Because like, in your town, our meetings are not live-streamed. They yep. absolutely should be. Yep. This is 2021. I'm sorry, but there's no reason that they shouldn't be. But they're not. So even if you are, you know, even if your best friend is sitting in the meeting and texting you a play-by-play, you still can't possibly understand exactly how everything transpired. Sure. And whether you want to believe it or not, there is more going on in your local government <laughs> than what is happening at a once monthly meeting. Absolutely. No, that's you're that's exactly right. Well, and and to more to your point, if you're not watching the body language of the people, if you're not seeing the eye rolls, if you're not hearing the counselor on the end sigh when the counselor in the middle says something, you're not getting the 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 whole story. Even through live streaming, I would say that that you're not getting that because there are there are subtleties that you're missing just by by nature of, of what it is. And you're exactly right with that. Another thing that you brought up that I think is very interesting, and I did an episode about this, I think it might be episode 117, that's called Little Victories. And you brought up a very good point a bit ago when you said that the officials will start to look at people like me as troublemakers and they'll try to discredit or make fun of us for going and attending meetings and demanding transparency, demanding accountability, demanding communication, and demanding things be done the right way, they try to discredit us and make fun of us and make us look bad because it really causes them a lot of issues in some cases. And that's where I was kind of going with my point about Winchester and how this all got started. I started out not with a lot of people supporting it, but a lot of people, you know, saying that I was an idiot and that I was a troublemaker and 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 that I just was, you know, stirring up trouble in, in a lot of cases. And at the time, it was just focused on my specific local government. But then after a time, I started getting back interested in what was going on in Muncie because even though I didn't live in Muncie at the time, I was born and raised in Muncie. I worked in Muncie and I still had a lot of friends and family who lived in Muncie and I knew the players there so I still stayed involved with what was happening there but that got a lot of heat and a lot of hate because I had people saying well you're not from Muncie anymore you shouldn't be involved it shouldn't matter to you why are you speaking but then something big happened and that was when people from other communities started reaching out to me telling me that they had heard about what I did in Winchester or they had seen what I was doing in Muncie and they thought that I knew what I was talking about and they were having an issue in their community and they needed and wanted my help. And that was when I started to realize, hey, maybe there is something to this. And now just a little side note. So when I'm active in Muncie and Delaware County, obviously that's what I'm most passionate about because that's where I live and that's where I pay into the tax base at. And those are the officials that govern my life. And when I'm active in the state of Indiana, you know, that is good because obviously that governs all of us. When I go into another community, I'm not getting involved because they're wanting to change the speed limit on a road or because they're wanting to tear down these blighted homes and put this up or I, I'm not getting involved over various specific policy issues. I'm more or less getting involved because how they're going about doing things 
is wrong or someone has a problem with the fact that they're not communicating or they're not being transparent. So it's not about the speed limit change on a road, but it's about how they've went about changing that. Did they do it in a closed meeting outside the presence of the public? Did they do it behind closed doors? Are they not giving up the records that are open to the public? Are they not following the letter of the law? Are they not running their government by the book? That's what I'm there for. I'm there to teach citizens to get involved and to get active, and I'm there to hold the officials accountable if they are not governing correctly. I'm not there for policy. Now, there are a few exceptions to that, depending on what it is, but it's mostly about how things are being done if they are following the letter of the law or not. And that's where I come in to, to all of this in other communities. Because when I'm there, those people don't represent me. I'm not paying more or less into to their pockets because I don't pay, you know, property taxes or whatnot in those communities. But I am there only because a citizen or citizens, and most often it's a lot of citizens, have asked for some kind of help. Citizens have reached out and said, hey, we've got this going on. I don't just ever willy-nilly go into a community looking for trouble. I'm always there because I have been invited and I have been told our officials aren't responding to us. We need somebody that can stand up and go toe-to-toe -to -toe with these people and I go there for that, but I see my number one duty after making sure they are following the letter of the law, my number one duty is to get the citizens active and involved and educated and attending those meetings, and I get those citizens to hold their government up to the standard that I'm trying to hold it up to. That's my whole goal, is to educate citizens for them to better their government through their citizen involvement. It's kind of like that old question about if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around, doesn't make a sound. I always say if a government holds a public meeting and no citizens attend, do they still have to do things the right way into the letter of the law? And the answer is a resounding hell yes. But wrapping this up, I mean, the point of all of what I'm saying here is... It was hard at first for me to do this, and it was hard for me to hear the negativity and people saying things about me. But look, if it's your community and you're there, they can't say a damn thing about you. That's why I like to go in to, to do that, to take the heat off of people. Because, look, if you live in Newcastle and Henry County and you go to the Newcastle or Henry County meetings and they want to say something about hearing from you... You tell them to piss right on off because they are your elected officials, which means they're getting paid off your tax money, so they will listen to you. And I like to try to build people up. That's the whole point of this, is teaching you, the listener, that you are strong enough to go in and affect change, and the officials can like it or not like it, but that's 
too bad whichever way it goes because you're the boss and you not only should be and deserve to be heard if you go in we will make it to where you are heard because that's the only way that it's acceptable them shutting you down or not listening is simply not okay and here's the other thing there's a whole lot of bluster out in the open and and officials doing this and doing that and the number one thing that everyone here needs to know is it doesn't matter what they say out in the open everybody talks i have people who have said there's no way i'll ever speak to him i wouldn't do this or that and let me tell you they talk to me behind the scenes i have elected officials from every community that i've ever been engaged with that call me that talk to me and and, and message me and email me and look i'm not special they will do that with you the listener you the citizen you their boss if you engage with them as well, and that is the bottom line here. We have to get people engaging with these folks because it's a lot easier than what you actually would think. And well, and a lot of times, I mean, quite frankly, I think when, when councils or boards or committees change frequently, um, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but when they change frequently, if I'm leaving you know, a council seat or a committee seat or something, I'm probably not going to say to the person taking my place, hey, by the way, here's the laws and regulations of how these meetings have to be done. Yes. Like, I'm just going to assume that that person already knows that because they ran and wanted to be appointed, but we all know what assuming does. Absolutely. Yeah. So... I think that's probably part of it. Like these people don't necessarily know that that's how these meetings should be conducted. Sure. And that's, I'm, I'm not saying that that's an excuse. I absolutely don't think that's, I understand excuse. what you're saying. Um, but I can see where it can happen. So you're just coming in to educate. That's absolutely correct. And look, here's the thing that people need to understand. I don't go into a community to stir up trouble or to cause problems or just to bitch or to, to get views or, or downloads or clicks. When I go to a community that is not mine, it's because I have been invited, and I mean invited by more than just one citizen. Or if it's something that's massively egregious and one or two people have reached out, you know, that might happen. But if I'm coming to a community, it's because I have been receiving messages after messages after messages from all sorts of different citizens saying, look, this is a problem. See, when I was first doing my early stages of this with Winchester, before I knew what this was, before I knew what a podcast was, and before I thought that this was something, I was just doing what I've always done politically and trying to put it out for others in my community. I didn't know that I was going to be running a podcast and being a crusader or a political activist or whatever you want to call me. People from Henry County started contacting me then, asking me to look at what was going on with a battle that they were having. And I was like, that's strange. And, and so I would 
respond to them, and they would ask questions, and I would try to help them, and I would tell them like what I was doing, and I would maybe try to explain how they needed to go about asking questions, or I would explain how they could go about filing for record requests to get paperwork or emails or or you know the like. I would tell them if they were having questions about if meetings were secret and being held behind closed doors, what they could do. So it was more like I thought people were asking questions and I was just trying to give some advice based off what I was also currently doing for myself. But over time, and once I started getting a little bit of understanding about what I was doing and other communities were asking for help... I could no longer ignore people asking me to come to their meetings and witness what was happening and and try to speak to see if I could make headway because they simply weren't being able to. So it's because I am asked to go. That's why I go someplace because I'm asked, not just because I wanted to go. Like, for example, the first place that I went when someone started asking me for help, and I started receiving several requests, was the town of Gaston. It was after the issue with Winchester had basically wound down, and I started having people from Gaston asking me for help, asking for specific questions, and I was giving them the best answers I could. And then finally, a couple people said, could you come here and try to make heads or tails of this? And I showed up, And I listened to the citizens being shut down by a horrible president on their town board. And I stood up to speak and she tried gaveling me down. And I knew that I didn't have to shut up. I knew I wasn't being violent. I wasn't out of line. I wasn't being vulgar. And I knew that I was in a public building during a public meeting. And I had a First Amendment right, same as anybody else does. So I kept speaking. And when she asked the police officer to remove me, he didn't know me. I know a lot of police officers in Gaston, but I didn't happen to know this guy from from anywhere specifically or anything, and he didn't know who I was. He stepped forward and said, Madam President, I will not remove him. I cannot remove him. That would be against his First Amendment right. And he actually went a step further and said, haven't you heard about what happened in Winchester? Now, at the time he said that, he didn't know that was me. And after the meeting, I brought that to his attention. We kind of laughed him talking about the arrest in Winchester where I was arrested for speaking in a meeting uh, illegally, and that resulted in a federal lawsuit in which I won. And he saved Gaston money that day because he did the right thing. And we, in the end, beat that uh, town board president, and we actually cleared uh, that board of the two troublemakers. And now Gaston basically is running the way that the town wants it to to run. You know, they're not always going to agree on everything, but for the majority of the time, the majority of the people are happy with the majority of the decisions. And that's how government should run. And if or when they get tired of what's happening, they will have to run new candidates and beat the people who are currently on there. But I feel like Gaston was able to pick up the lessons that I had and they were able to see how to to do things and they try to do things in a positive manner and they really are on a good path. And I think a lot of communities could learn from that. Matter of fact, in 2019, when the 
voting turnout was so horrible all over the state of Indiana, Gaston turned out really to send a message, and I am so proud of what they did there. And I realized, hey, I can do this in other communities, and that's how it works everywhere else. I go if I am called, if I am asked to be someplace, not just to find trouble or to look for trouble. If I could impart one piece of advice on the listeners right now, it would be do not think that changing your community local government is hopeless because it is not hopeless. It may seem that way, but if you get together and you put forth a little bit of effort, you can make a difference, and it is not hopeless. It does not have to be hopeless. I have had so many wonderful experiences helping citizens in communities make a difference and that they have actually been able to see, hey, we are seeing tangible change here. And it's nothing that I'm doing. It is the work that the citizens are putting forward with having just a little bit of knowledge. And the good thing about all of this is the more you use it, the more you'll learn, the more you'll understand. And it's all really basic, easy stuff. It builds on Every, you know, if you know this, learning the next step builds on all of that. And that's what makes this so easy. And it, like I said, it's not hopeless. Do not sit there in your car, in your house, in your bathtub, on your toilet, and think, well, he's not speaking to me because my situation is hopeless. It is not hopeless. And you can make a difference, but you have to be willing to make the difference. Let me ask you this, Amber. I, I'm pretty sure that Yorktown does not live stream their meetings, and that's ridiculous. Yorktown being the, the community where you are most closely associated with. Does Yorktown have a social media page? Like, does it have the Town of Yorktown Facebook page or Twitter page? Uh, I believe so. I mean, there's a Facebook page that's the Town of Yorktown. I I am not entirely sure who admins that page um i don't know if it's the town manager i don't know if it's all of the board members a few board members um so i'm not i'm really not sure i i mean maybe it's not even you know someone in the government maybe it's just a citizen i really don't know absolutely well and that brings me to a very important point and we will get to that point on the other side of this quick break we do have to step away just for a second to try and pay some bills around here you guys sit tight when we come right back we'll get right back into what this major point is you're listening to the 144th episode of perception is reality. I'm Chris. She's Amber. We'll be right back. Perception. Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Friends, there's nothing worse than a plumbing issue. It can be a real nightmare, but it doesn't have to be with RPS, Reliable Plumbing Services. That's Sherry Sheline and Mark Bolin. They have all of your plumbing needs taken care of. They have been in business for 28 plus years. They offer senior citizens discounts. They offer military discounts, and they can help you out with literally anything that you could imagine. 
sewer issues, drain service, sewer locating, sewer camera, water jetting, general plumbing, toilet install and service, water heaters, septic tank repairs, and much, much more. If you're dealing with plumbing issues, then you need to give Sherry Sheline and Mark Bolin a call today. That's RPS, Reliable Plumbing Services. You can contact them at 765 252 3665. Don't forget to tell them that perception is reality sent you their way. Perception, perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. Friends, before we get started, I do want to remind you that if you're looking for the best comfort in women's panties and underwear, you'll want to look no further than Evie Bras and Panties. You can check them out online at shop.join-evie.com. Check them out today. All right, folks, we're back. Amber, Chris, this is Perception is Reality, episode 144, and we are trying to get Amber and the rest of you out there listening in the frame of mind where you'll want to start attending meetings or reaching out and speaking with your elected officials, we understand that you're intelligent. We know you're intelligent. You're listening to this podcast. We understand that you want to be informed and you'd like to be up to date. I see you. I talk to you. I know what you're interested in and you listen to this show. Obviously, you want to be in the know, but we need to push just a little bit more and get you from the citizen that wants to be informed to the citizen that wants to be engaged. And when we are engaging our elected officials, whether it be local elected officials, state elected officials, or national elected officials, and no matter if it's involving a meeting or email or social media or phone calls, there is one thing that we all need to keep in mind and the elected officials need to really focus on it. And it is the fact that no matter what we're talking about, the number one principle is the fact that it is not the duty of the citizen to try and track down the official and meet that official in that official's comfort zone to communicate. It is instead the duty of the official to meet the citizens where they are most comfortable. If that's by phone, then it's by phone. If it's by email, it's by email. If it's on social media, it's on social media. If it's during a meeting or in public someplace, then that's where it must be. But it's the role of the elected official to communicate with the citizens the way that the citizens want to communicate. It is not proper for them to say, well, you have to come to me on my time. You have to try to get a hold of me on my time in my way uh-uh, that does not cut it it's their duty to be available to the citizenry the way that the citizenry expects to be communicated with and that changes for everybody which means the elected official must be flexible yes you have your regularly stated meeting maybe you have a meeting once a month maybe you have a meeting twice a month whenever that is it's the duty of the elected official to sit down and get down to business in a way that the citizenry there 
feels like they understand what's going on and what's being talked about. It's okay to want to get down and get to business and to be serious and to get things done, but it should never be the goal of the elected officials to sit down and try to hurry through it as fast as they can to make sure that they're out of there in under an hour so they can get home in time to watch Jeopardy. No, 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 no. On the nights that your meetings are set, make sure you TiVo that shit, if that's the thing. Make sure you DVR it so that you can sit in those meetings. Yes, I understand. Sometimes there's not a lot going on, and if you can get through a quick meeting in an hour, an hour and a half, that makes perfect sense. No reason to drag it out. Nobody likes a long meeting for the purpose of just being a long meeting. But if there is business that needs done, then you have to do it. And if there's a lot of it, then there's a lot of it, and it's going to take a while. It might take two, two and a half, three hours to do it. But by God, that's what it takes. It means you have to be willing to explain what's going on and to make the citizens understand. You have to be willing to communicate. You have to be willing to be transparent. And you have to be willing to hold yourselves accountable, hold each other accountable, and allow the citizens to hold you accountable. And that's how you run a proper meeting. But you can't just leave it to the meetings to be able to conduct your business with the public. The public want to do business and communicate with you more than just once or twice a month, and there's more business going on for the community that you represent, the city, the town, the county, or whatever, than just those regularly stated meetings once or twice a month. And that means you have to be willing to accept phone calls, you have to be willing to get emails, you should be willing to access uh, citizens' concerns on social media. And I know that this is all new stuff and it's all new territory, but it's 2021 or or on, depending on when you're listening to this episode, and it's time to get in the real world. If you want a private email account, if you want a private Facebook account and only utilize that with your real job or your friends and family, that makes sense. If you don't want to intermix, which a lot of people on the local level will have just one email account or one social media page that they'll do everything on. It's for friends, family, and their job, and their bills, and the public. And I tend to think that's the best way. It makes it easiest, and it's the cleanest. But I completely respect your privacy. And if you do have your private email and your private social media account, and you don't want the citizenry to contact you that way, that's fine, but get with the program. You should have an official Counselor Bob email, Counselor Jane, Mayor Jane email, a Counselor Bob Facebook page, a Counselor Jane Facebook page that's open to anyone and everyone from the community, and you stay active and engaged on that page and you respond to people and citizens should know that they can expect to be able to talk to you back and forth on that page in that email or however those are other ways that citizens want to interact with officials in today's world and it's the job of the official counselor bob mayor jane Representative Tim, it's their responsibility to meet the public on the public's plane, not the other way around. I Go think ahead. I know where you're where you're getting that. 
little <laughs> blurb from. And I mean, LOL, I'll give you credit there. But <laughs> I, it's no different, in my opinion, it's no different than having a, a work email. Sure. Like, do, do most of our elected officials also have regular, you know, full-time jobs? Yes, they do. But if you don't want to have to juggle your personal email and your work email and your elected official email, then you probably just shouldn't be an elected official. Right. Like, right. It's, that, it's that simple. And if you can't figure out how to juggle three emails, then I'm sorry, you definitely shouldn't you be an elected official. Yeah, you shouldn't be juggling the budget. You're in 1965. You're right, right, right. Absolutely. <laughs> now, I also realize that we're still fairly early into social media, meaning there are still older people who are in office who have lived more of their life without social media than they have lived with it. So I understand if you have a five-person council or a seven-person council or a nine-person council, there might be one or two people on that council that don't have a social media page. All right, I get it. Then in that instance, the town needs to have one, so at least there is a way for people to get it. And then that also allows them to live stream the meetings. You don't have to go out and spend... $30,000 or $80,000 like Henry County did or 800000 on computer equipment and state-of-the-art recording equipment to live stream and have PTZ cameras that shoot down in the face of people and count their nose hairs. You could go get an Apple iPad and set it up in the back of the room and record through shitty recording equipment and live stream on Facebook. And then you don't have to have server space. You don't have to worry about how it's stored. It's there. It's on Facebook. People can watch it forevermore. They cannot watch it. And you can decide if you're going to respond to comments or not respond to comments. So many of these so, uh, government bodies, I saw the city of Muncie, has updated their comment policy and they're talking about how they're going to, you know, they're, they're looking for positive comments. I think that's well, of the, course they are. the worst thing in the world that they could do. Remove that positive comment thing. That's disgusting because to me, that's not positive. That's toxic positivity. You're, you're, you're trying to kill people with kindness rather it's than understanding. False positivity is what it is. What? It's false positivity is yes. what it is. Yes. Because it's not, I mean, I get like going after, you know, Joe Schmo, who is constantly negative. Like yep. every single thing he ever comments on any post that the city makes is negative. Like, okay, you're, you need to stop and we're just not going to respond to you anymore. Sure. But limiting all commentary to positive comments is, it's really getting you into muddy water. Um, and if you doubt that, go ahead and look up what's going on with Knightstown ah! and their public Facebook page right yes. now. Yes. Because that's um, hashtag illegal. Absolutely. You can't, you can't tell people what they can and can't say on a government social media page. Yep. That's, that's exactly correct. I know, I know Chris Newkirk. Knightstown is in Henry County. And he is somebody that I supported running for. He just ran for commissioner. He lost. Uh, he's former uh, chief of police in Knightstown. And I know a lot of what's going on there. And that is an unfortunate situation. You know, one of the things that came about when Donald Trump became president was he was going after people who were 
tweeting negative things and he was deleting those comments and they actually went to court went all the way up to the federal system maybe the supreme court made a ruling i know that the federal court system said huh you cannot do that and that extends from the federal level to the state levels to the local levels you cannot delete comments that you just simply don't like because they don't happen to favor your your current elected person in charge that you love and kiss the ass of. Now, I always tell people, don't be violent. Don't talk about shooting anybody up or, you know, doing anything stupid. Yes, that would be a problem and and should be removed and should be reported and you should be investigated. Uh, don't don't be sexual. Don't be vulgar. You know, I it, you get more bees with honey. Have I stood up at a meeting before and said hell or or damn? I'm sure I probably have. I try not to cuss uh, and get too crazy because there are children there and it's, it's a public forum and and that just really doesn't get you anywhere in those moments. But besides that, you know, comment away. And what I try to impress upon elected officials and the citizenry is. It's okay to be active in those threads on social media. It's okay to be involved at meetings and to email and to express your viewpoints. Listen, there's always at least two sides to every story. There are different ways to look and go about doing something. And just because you present a different thought doesn't mean it's negative. And if it is negative, negative doesn't always have to mean bad. Sometimes negativity breeds, you know, good things because it starts a dialogue. And that's what we have to have is a dialogue, a conversation. We can't just have one-sided, always positive state-sponsored drivel that just pushes an agenda set forward by those who are in charge. It is okay for someone to give a dissenting opinion or a dissenting thought or their opinion that might be negative on what's happening. It's okay to simply say, I don't like this elected person. I don't think that they are serving the community very well. I just don't think that they're doing a good job, and I just simply don't like him. That is okay to say that. And if the community that is in charge of the social media page or wherever removes that, shame on them, and they could be in trouble if you pushed it. Look at it this way. Who decides what negative is? I'll comment on a government's page, whether it be my government or some other government, and I will praise them for when they do well. And if they do something that I like and I agree with, if they're planting trees in this area or they're they're doing some other business, I will tell them, hey, great job. I have no problem telling elected officials, great job. I also have no problem holding their asses accountable when it gets to the meat and potatoes of things going on in local government and if they're not willing to communicate they're not being transparent and they're not allowing themselves to be held accountable or they're not holding each other accountable or whatever then that is okay for me or anyone else to express dissatisfaction in that and that's a positive thing in my book who gets to decide that's negative I think what's negative is constantly trying to avoid taking a realistic look at what the hell's going on in government.
And as far as commenting, what people don't realize is most of the time the elected officials aren't even seeing the comments. If something's going on on a government page, if it's just the page for the government, if it's not a specific elected official, if it's like the city of Muncie, the city of Los Angeles, the city of Indianapolis, most of the time, maybe employees are seeing the comments or other citizens are, but elected officials aren't. And that brings me to, as citizens, the way we should communicate are ways in which we can keep record of what those communications are. So text messages are great. Don't delete the text messages. Phone calls are great. You should keep the phone numbers and the dates and times that you called. But the best way to communicate is through email because you can keep a log of that email. That email is always there. If you don't delete it, it shows the date and the time that you sent it. It shows the subject and it has the body. And then when they respond, they respond right to that. So you have a chain of what that communication is about. And that is absolutely beautiful. That also brings me to one of my biggest pet peeves, and that is if I, or a citizen from any other place, my community or any other community, emails an elected official and never receives a response, I have a major problem with that. And look, I'm not being crazy. I'm not expecting them to be sitting there with their phone in their hand or looking at their desktop just waiting for an email. I know they have business and, and other crap going on along with their private lives and possibly other jobs or, or this or that. But when I email somebody, I expect a response back within at least 24 to 48 hours. I'm not going crazy if you haven't responded within the first day. I get it. Maybe something has come up. But if you can't respond to an email, at least to say, I don't know even, to me that is a massive slap in the face. It's letting me know that you look at me as inferior and you don't have to mess with me, period, or whoever the other citizen is. And that is a major, major pet peeve of mine. When I was still working in field sales, generally we always went... And this was this was pretty much across the board. This wasn't just my company. This was like anybody I ran into. We always went with a general rule of you have to reply within three business days. Okay. I've worked with multiple different brands. I worked with different stores. And that was pretty much like the unwritten rule between all of us. Like if I was if I was emailing my you know, my store director for this account, he pretty much knew like, I need to reply to her within three days. And the same, like if, if a store director or cosmetics manager was emailing me, I needed to reply within three days. And if it was something that I knew or they knew was going to take longer than three days to hash out, like maybe I needed to go to my vice president or you know, someone much higher than me to get approval for something, then it was expected that you still reply. You just say, hey, it's going to take me some time to work on this. And sure. I, I think that is kind of where we get lost, um, especially with, with government officials maybe, is I think they expect 
the citizens to just inherently know when they're asking a question that, you know, it's going to take some research time. Sure. And I guess, like you said, if it's in your hand, how long does it take you to reply and say, I'm sorry, this is going to take me, you know, a week to research. Let me get back with you by X, Y, Z date. Yes. That brings me to another issue, which is it's okay as an elected official to say either I don't know or simply no. It's okay for elected officials to disagree with citizens. And it's okay for a citizen or group of citizens or a group in the community to want one thing and the elected officials do something different because this is a representative democracy. So what happens is things go before the government, they vote, and sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. I am not uh, caught up, really, if we are fighting for something and everything goes the right and proper lawful way, and I come up on the wrong side of an issue, if a vote is taken and something happens and I don't get my way because the majority rules, I don't really ever bitch about that. Now, there are some times that something happens that I will stand up for and just say, hey, this is wrong. They completely went the wrong way on this, and we need to remember this on election day. But I don't bitch at elected officials for not getting my way. I might not get my way, and I might say, hey, the council made a wrong decision tonight. But I don't go on and on and on about it. What I bitch about for days and days and days is if they're going about something the wrong way. But other than that, it's okay for an elected official to tell you or me or any other citizen or citizens group or business no or I don't know. And a lot of times elected officials don't do that. They're afraid to say no or I don't know because they feel like that's going to cost them votes when, in my opinion, it's going to cause people to respect them that much more. What I don't respect is someone just not communicating because they're too afraid to say what they really feel or they're too afraid to say how it is. That I cannot respect. But I can respect someone telling me no and I can respect being on the losing side of an argument. Doesn't mean I'm going to like it and I might bring it up, but it's hard for me to bitch about being simply on the wrong side of a vote that is done properly versus the government doing something in an improper way. What I bitch about is no communication. What I bitch about is no transparency. Very rarely, if ever, do you hear me bitch about a a no answer or receiving an answer or a response that I just happen to not like. That is not something that I gripe about. Simply meaning this, if my government or a government that I'm involved with at the time does something that I don't like, but they do it the right way by the book in front of the public with a lot of communication and transparency, and I just happen to wind up on the wrong side of the vote, they pass something that I don't agree with, or they decide to do something with the building that I don't agree with, 
I am not going to ravage them over that. Bottom line, if everything is done by the letter of the law, there's very little for me to gripe about. If it's something that I am on the losing side of, now I might, like I said, come forward and say, we'll have to remember this on election day, and I think they made the wrong call here. But really past that, there's nothing more I can say because people are not going to listen to me bitch about losing. Because at that point, all you are, all I would be, would be a sore loser, and no one's going to listen to that. That kind of thing doesn't breed content, because people understand what our system is. It's a system in which there's an issue, you have a vote, and at the end of the vote, the majority wins. Sometimes you're the winner, sometimes you're the loser. If you're the winner, you're able to say, hey, we won, I knew we would win, and I'm happy that we won, congratulations, and then you move on. If you lose, you say, hey, we should have fought harder, I don't think they made the right decision, but that's all you can really say because that's how the game is played and you have to move on. I can't make content about the government doing the right thing but me being on the wrong end of a vote because we are all aware that is how our system is designed and that's, that's all there is to it. And I understand that. Very rarely will you hear me bitch for days and days and days about something that happens the right way that doesn't go my way. On the contrary. I'm glad you finished that because I was like, I think we've all heard you bitch for days and days and days. Well, well, hold on. Cause I'll, and I'll tell you, what, I'll tell, and I'll tell you exactly why. <laughs> and you are right. That's, I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that. If, if so, I'll, that's, that's the third point here. On the contrary of that, if I win, if something goes in my favor, I'll come out and say, hey, they did a good job. This is how I wanted it to be. I, I felt confident that this is the way that it would be. And this is great. That also doesn't breed content because that only has, you know, a one episode or, or one live video shelf life. Other than that, it's a, you know, being a piss poor winner. What I bitch about is when something is happening and they are not being transparent about it, when they're not using the proper steps, when they're trying to shovel it in without the scrutiny of the public, they're trying to do it without communication, and they're trying to do it in a sneaky way that is not right, and they're going about it the wrong way. Then what happens is I point out, hey, you're going about this the wrong way. Well, if they correct it, okay, no harm, no foul. But when they just double down on doing it the wrong way, well, then I'm able to bitch about it, and I bitch about it the next day. And what happens is basically they leave that open to be bitched about until one of two things happens. They jam it in the wrong way repeatedly over and over, which allows me to bitch about it over and over and over. And then at some point it's done, which at that point I'm then done bitching. But during the entire battle dealing with it, I'm able to produce content because I'm able to say, why are these people not doing this the right way? I'm able to try to swing others that maybe don't know about it, and I'm able to continue pointing out, hey, here they're doing something that is questionable. We don't know which way it'll fall because we haven't had a vote yet. I feel this way about it, but not only do I feel this way about it, they're also going about it the wrong way. They're doing it behind closed doors. They're 
they're not giving over public records, they're not talking about it, they're not being transparent, and they're not allowing us, the public, their bosses, to hold them accountable. That gives me so much content, and the thing that kills me is they don't ever see or understand this. And when, when okay, I... Okay, let me... Go ahead. Let me ask you something, mm -hmm. and I'm just playing devil's advocate mm -hmm. here. If, let's say you're wanting something... Yep. ...from your local government, and this is not... I'm not talking about any specific example. I'm sure. just saying, let's say there is something that you're wanting the city of Muncie to do. Mm -hmm. And you find out that they've done it. You know, you've, you've gotten what you wanted, but they didn't do it the right way. Are you still going to say something? Well, so, okay. So, I mean, I, I think I know kind of what you're getting at there. So, for example... And I can, I can give you a real-life example of this. What I was griping about in Winchester, what the big battle in Winchester was over, was over the, the Winchester drug treatment facility. The mayor in Winchester was elected in, in 2015. He took office in January 2016. And I was really active in Winchester around this time. I had been attending meetings since 2014, 2015, and had attended all of the council meetings through that period. Then in September of 2016, so just nine months after he took office, a newspaper article ran that said, drug treatment facility coming to Winchester. And all of the council members were quoted in the paper talking about how wonderful this was, how it was a done deal, how they were working in partnership with the mayor. And I got to reading this and I was thinking, wait a minute, I've been to all the council meetings and I don't remember this ever being discussed. When was this discussed and voted on? Did this happen behind closed doors? So the next day I start asking people, I reach out to the council, when did you guys know about this? When did you vote on it? Where are we getting the money? Who is funding this? Where is it going to go? Why is it going to go where it's going? When was any of this discussed? And of course, the council either had really bizarre answers that didn't make sense, or the majority of them just refused to answer any questions, period. And it was quickly becoming apparent that the mayor was doing things that didn't quite add up. And I was thinking that it looked like what the mayor was doing was illegal and that was only heightened when we attended a meeting and the elected prosecutor of randolph county was in attendance and he was speaking as a citizen also of randolph county and then at one point in the meeting he stood up as the elected prosecutor and said in his full capacity that he felt that the mayor could possibly have committed fraud and possibly committed a felony in doing so and that he and his office would be investigating that yikes that's pretty big in my opinion and now just for a second i want to say david daly who's the elected prosecutor of randolph county and i our friends, we were neighbors, we communicated quite a bit through all of this, and we were both fighting this as citizens of Winchester, but also he had the other aspect about all of this because he was the elected prosecutor, and if he felt that there was a crime committed here, he, he felt like he had the obligation to point that out and then investigate it like such. And to me, 
that's really, really big because he's not somebody that just throws things out like that. He's a very level-headed person. Moving on, David and I, along with everyone else who fought this, none of us were against drug treatment facilities. We feel like that's a big thing. It's very important. And we all felt like the citizens of Winchester deserved a treatment facility. That was part of the reason we fought this, because there were a lot of things wrong with this, not to mention one of the issues being that this was going to not be helping Winchester citizens, that this was going to be costing the citizens of Winchester roughly $1.5 million, and at the end of the day, we were going to be helping citizens from all over Indiana, all over Ohio, but not citizens in Winchester. And it just didn't make sense for us to be footing the bill, but for it not to be helping our people who actually needed the help. And on top of that, there were many, many other reasons why this was a disaster, not to mention one of the reasons that this was even happening in the first place was simply because the mayor at the time was trying to set up a run for the Indiana General Assembly as a state representative. And he wanted donors from Indianapolis. He was in a community that is mostly Republican as a Democrat mayor, and he was needing a feather in his cap. There was a church that was the church that most of the Republican bigwigs of the county attended, and they were wanting to sell the land, and so he figured out a way to smooth over being a Democrat with these Republicans. He could step in, buy this land, and turn it into a drug treatment facility. The churchgoers would be happy. It was these Republicans that would then throw their support behind him. He would also make Indianapolis happy, and he would get donations from Indianapolis, and that was his ticket to the state house. and that's the reason he did it. He sold Winchester out. There's no question about it. And I bitched about it for nearly two years. And we picked up a bunch of steam. So did a lot of other citizens. Okay? At the end of the day, when they opened their doors, we lost. And he won. I quit bitching about the Winchester f treatment facility. I bitched about it for the two years because all along the way, there were twists and turns and corners where we could have stopped this. But at the second that he beat us, I said, okay, now I'm going to use this as a way to beat him for his run for, for state house. I'm going to use this as a way to beat him if he runs for re-election. And we did. We successfully beat him. He received no winning votes. He, he lost every precinct in a three-county district when he ran for state representative, and he was beat so badly that he did not seek re-election. So in the end, he ended up losing. And, and, and it was, you know, we lost that battle, but we won the war. Um, and, and I was validated because the Winchester drug treatment facility was, was, is a flop. Uh, it's never full. They don't, they, you know, they have a very poor track record. It has really negatively affected the neighborhood that it is in. And basically it lost on all fronts. And that's sad. And I said, I don't want to be the person saying, I told you so. We just moved on, but we realized that we were proven right. I was validated in the end. So I didn't keep on bitching. I'm not still bitching about the Winchester Drug Treatment Facility because there's no reason to bitch about it. So, yeah, in answer to your question, I stop to, to, to an extent. Like, for example, if I ask the city of Muncie right now for records, if, if right now there's a, a housing development going on, and if I ask for the mayor's emails 
to various people about this housing development project, and they deny my request. If it's for a valid legal reason, and the, the public access counselor says this is a valid legal reason to deny your request, I'm going to say, okay, I'm done. I might then one more time say, I don't like this. What they're, I think what they're doing is no good. And then that, that fight is over from that aspect because that's that. If they deny it for a non-valid reason, well, then I, I think that the fight continues. It's that whole aspect of the cover-up is worse than the crime. So the crime might not be that bad, but all of the stuff that you do to cover it up makes it much worse. And that's the way I look at about it, because this is what's generally happened. So I've asked for these emails, and we're just, this is a made-up situation. I've, I ask for emails, and they deny me. And they, they, they run me through all of this nonsense to get these emails. And it takes me three months to get these emails. Well, the whole time I'm bitching about... If, if, if the mayor was just more transparent, you know, I don't understand why he's dragging his feet. It makes him look bad. It, it's the perception that something is going on wrong here. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. Perception is reality. So that's what I gr gripe about in that interim time. Well, then at the end, when I get the emails anyways and something looks wrong with them, now, not only have I bitched for three months that they've been dragging their feet and they've not been communicating and they're not transparent, which is all shit that they ran on. Now I have these emails and they look bad. No wonder they weren't wanting to give them to me. The problem is they made the situation worse in doing that. My approach to that has always been to say this, and I always say this directly to the officials. If you would have just given me these emails three months ago, I would have said these look bad and I would have griped about it, but then that would have been over. But what you did was you knew you had something bad and you drug your feet on it and you made it so much worse because of what you did to try to cover those tracks. But if I ask for something that I don't think is right and they give it to me and, and it's all above board, that happens a lot. That happens a lot. And in that case, I say, all right, everything looks good and you don't hear anything about it. I don't bitch or I don't gripe and that's it and that's that. What you hear me griping about is when they're doing something wrong they shouldn't be doing or they're doing something that is a procedural issue. Is it always though? And I'm not, I'm not super well-versed in what Muncie is doing or what they're not doing. Um, but I think a lot of citizens, including you, including me, are a little wary of this current administration only because of the former administration. We all know that the former administra administration of Muncie was a heaping pile of crap. <laughs> Like, that's just the nicest way to put it. I'm sorry if you're offended by that. But when multiple people of an administration are indicted on charges from the FBI, you cannot claim that that was a successful <laughs> administration. So right. let's just get that out of the way. Right. But I think a lot of the times what people don't realize is that the government is a business and the government usually isn't dealing with other governments. Like Muncie doesn't have to call Indy to do something. 
they have to deal with other actual businesses sure who will make them sign non-disclosure agreements or contractual you know statements in some cases that happens yes you are right absolutely and, and so i think a a lot of times you might not be getting and I don't, when i say you i don't mean just you right, this right. is like no, a blanket you. you you the might not be you. getting the response that you need because legally they are bound to not tell you the response that you want well and not tell you why they're not giving you uh, the Response that but you now, want. I disagree with that a little bit because in a non-disclosure, you're allowed to say I have signed a non-disclosure. So if there is, and I'll give you, there's a perfect example of this right now that's playing out in real time. And that is this. The city of Muncie, Indiana just recently announced that they are going to acquire a very large piece of land in the city of Muncie that was owned by GM, the factory. And when the factory closed and was torn down, that land has just set empty. And the city is going to acquire it for an unknown amount of money and have an unknown contractor build a whole bunch of solar panels on this land and run a solar farm. And the reason I said an unknown company would be in charge of this and the city spent an unknown amount of money in purchasing this land is because I don't know those bits of information because in the press release the mayor announced that those were protected by a non-disclosure agreement now when i first read this i thought hey this might be a good thing i'm not necessarily against this i'm not a hundred percent for it because i need to know more information but the first thing i did was simply make a post that said i think this sounds like a good idea I'm not 100% against it, but I'm definitely not 100% for it. I need to know more information. I understand that there is a non-disclosure agreement in place, and I clearly understand the need of non-disclosure agreements from time to time when the city is doing business, specifically economic development business. I understand that, but my questions are simply this. When will the non-disclosure be up? When will you be able to disclose this information to us? Because we do want to know how much the city spent and what the process was that the city went through in picking this company to build these solar panels. And most importantly, is this information that you will provide to us without us having to come fishing for it? Or is it something that you're going to make us come fishing for because the non-disclosure will run out and you will just fail to tell us? And that is where I have a little bit of an issue because I've now asked this question nearly three or four weeks ago. I've not received any type of response from this, which makes me feel like the mayor's office won't come out with this. This is something that I will have to continue fishing for, which I will do with no problem, but you have to understand why that leaves a bad taste in my mouth because with everything that the mayor knows and with everything that the mayor ran on and with all of the history of the city of Muncie, you would figure he would want to go above and beyond 
what he needs to do to try to repair the relationship between the city of Muncie government and the citizens who live in the city of Muncie. But everything that he does points in the opposite direction of that. And I just cannot wrap my mind around that. Because the mayor of Muncie specifically, but literally every person who's currently in office for a city office ran for a year, a year and a half, nearly two years on improving communication, improving transparency, and improving accountability. And I understand all elected officials everywhere run on those three principles. But I mean, above and beyond the buzzwords, those were were words, were feelings, were principles that these current elected officials, when they were candidates, they really hammered home, and they had to because of the situation that has faced the city of Muncie and Delaware County for so long. It was well, well more important than just some political stump speeches. It was something that they drilled into us. And while the city council's doing a pretty good job, the mayor's office has really kind of sucked it up. And I just don't understand that because it was something that they all preached so heavily. It was the three key issues that all candidates who are currently now elected officials pushed for the entirety of their campaigns. Then it was, but... Ooh, this is getting good. Yeah? It, it was, and I agree. I heard that word tons of times, and I couldn't even vote in the election, so I heard it <laughs> right? for no damn reason. But... I think an elected official's definition of transparency and a citizen's definition of transparency is very, very different. And it is not the elected official or administration or board or whatever. It is not any one individual's fault that a citizen is not educated enough on what transparency in government actually means. Sure. Sure. Or, or, or the other way around. It's not the citizens' fault that the elected officials might have some kind of skewed opinion of what that might be. But yeah, you're you're right. You're absolutely right. Because there are steps and processes that citizens like myself and you and anyone else have to take in order to get the information that we are requesting. You can't just willy-nilly go up and demand that they do something or give you something and expect that to happen. And so we all have to be educated on on the subject of local government. That's the whole reason for pushing this. But as well as we have to be educated, I sure as hell want the officials to be educated. That is all part of their duty. And if they're not, then they need not apply for the position. They should not run and ask for our votes until they are aware of that stuff. I don't consider all of this to be on-the-job education. I feel like they should take the... Uh, responsibility to seek this information out before they are elected. But in wrapping this up, the bottom line is the government should do as much as they can to make the public feel comfortable with what's happening because that distrust of your government can lead to really weird places. And if, if the elected officials hate misinformation and they hate how things are happening and how things are going... Uh, you know, then they, if, if they want to combat that, then they really must try to do better 
to give you the information that they can so that that misinformation is not out there. So instead of saying, we're doing X, Y, and Z, and we can't talk about it because of a non-disclosure, the easiest, most simple way that they could do this would say, we can't talk about this because of a non-disclosure, but the non-disclosure will be up in X amount of days, and as soon as it is up, we will issue a new press release with all of the information in that release. I honestly feel like Muncie just needs like a break from government, which <laughs> yes. I know is not, I know that's not realistic and I know it's not possible. I know what you mean. But I, I truly feel like there's just, there's mistrust all around. And so when the citizens are mistrusting the administration, the administration feels like they're being mistrusted. It just kind of creates this thing. Like I know, you know, when, when you're a kid and your parents are accusing you of lying and this time you actually didn't, you know, they have every, <laughs> yes. every reason in the book to accuse you of yeah. lying because you have before, but this one time in particular, you're not, right. you get more defensive and make yourself look more guilty by being defensive just because it's like the one time that you're not. Right. And so it just goes around and around in circles. I go through this with my twins all the time because my twins can blame each other. And if I didn't actually see whatever happened happen, then I literally just have to sit there and say, okay, I know one of you is lying. <laughs> Because obviously one of you did whatever, you know, right. I'm talking about, but they will literally both sit there until they're blue in the face. And I mean, crying, no, it was my sister. No, it was my brother. Yeah. And, and I'm just stuck. And I kind of wonder if that's how our administration feels with citizens right now, because they're like, you know, damn it. For the first time in eight years, the Muncie mayor's Maybe. office is not lying about something, but the citizens are already jaded. So they think we are. So screw them, you know, yeah. like, and I don't think they're really yeah. using that language. No, like, I, you're right. I'm, no, absolutely. It's just kind of the feeling like I feel like they have, and I completely understand that. Here's the problem with our local city administration here. We have a mayor who ran on trying to make things so smooth and, and being such a better person and improving communication and transparency and accountability. Meanwhile, he's so caught up, in my opinion, on a re-election bid, and, and he was even in the first couple months of the first year, which was just last year, we're only two months and some days into his second year of his first term, which kind of blows my mind because I told him all during the election at least three or four times that he was a one-term mayor. He needed to forget running for re-election. He needed to come out and do his very level best, the best he could do in one four-year term because he would not be re-elected to a second term because either... 
he wouldn't be able to do what the citizens of Muncie thought he could, and they would be mad, or there was just so much that needed to be done, it would be like drinking from a fire hose, and there's no way he could do it, and he would want to walk away, or a couple of different reasons, but whichever way you slice it, Ridenauer is a one-term mayor, and I told him, you need to not worry about re-election, you need to focus on doing the absolute best that you can do in four years, and the people will love you. But instead, he came in almost straight away worrying about re-election, and I think that when you're worried about re-election, it causes you to hold information back, it causes you to want to sugarcoat things and tell people what they want to hear, rather than if you resign yourself to the fact that you're a one-term mayor, that gives you the freedom to tell the truth, to do what you know is best because, hey, all you've got is this chance. And I wish he would have ran it that way because I tell you, mark my words, he is a one-term mayor. I don't think there's any way for you to know if Ridenauer is a one-term mayor. I, mm -hmm. I think that was probably, I think that was probably a bit of a stretch on <sighs> your part. No, no. I know you will never admit that because you won't, but, and what? I also think you had to know when you said that, that that was going to put your relationship at an interesting intersection for the entire four years, whether it's the only four years or <laughs> it's the first four years. So We've been fine be, after that. That's not been the thing that's been, been caused issues. <laughs> oh, find my ass. <laughs> no, I'm Bush, saying. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not playing that game. <laughs> We, we greet each other at meetings politely. <laughs> You're so full of shit. Sometimes. But I will come back here in, 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 at the end of 2023 and say, I told you so. <laughs> I, I don't think Ridenauer has really done anything one way or the other so far. Yeah, I don't think that's he's the problem. Done, I don't think he's done anything to guarantee re-election, which... After the presidential election, I firmly believe that re-election for any office is never set in stone unless yep. there's literally no one running against you. That's yep. the only yep. time I ever think it's set in stone. Um, but I don't think he's done anything to guarantee re-election, and I don't think he's done anything to guarantee you know, loss of a second term. Well, I guess time will tell, and I won't have any problem coming back here and reminding you everything I've just said here and telling you, I told you so, but I guess we'll have to see where everything ends up. Speaking of ending up, I think this sounds like a fantastic place to call it quits for this 144th episode of Perception is Reality. Last episode, while you were playing hooky, I did a pretty damn good job of telling people where they could find you and getting all of that information out. But since you're back, do you want to let folks know where they can find you at? I can be found on Facebook. My personal Facebook is Amber Green, E at the end of green. And my professional Facebook is a touch of green where you can see me slinging skincare and talking about the beauty world. 
Well, that sounds fantastic. You guys more than likely know where you can find me, but just to make sure, you can email me at khbilbrey at gmail.com. That's k-h-b-i-l-b-r-e-y at gmail.com. You can also call or text me here at the studio line at 765-546-9796. Also, look for me on Facebook and look for the live at 835 live video episodes seven days a week also on that same facebook account that's christopher h bilbury christopher with a k or facebook.com forward slash bilbury 318 as always share the show with everyone you know remind them we can be found on all major podcast hosting sites by searching for the full name of the podcast perception is reality with christopher h bilbury or simply by going to google and entering in Bilberry Podcast. That's B-I-L-B-R-E-Y Podcast. Please, please take care. Be good to each other. If you have any questions or thoughts or concerns about politics, about government, about how you can get involved and get active and fight back against the craziness, trying to make your government a better place, trying to better government through citizen involvement, please don't hesitate to reach out to one or both of us. Between the two of us, someone will give you some kind of good information, and you know that's got to be true. Until next time, you guys take care, be safe, God bless. We'll look forward to talking to you again real soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember, perception, perception is, is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.